We live in a world of hostility. We live in a world that is full of hostility. And we see this at every level of society. Think about it, just, just globally, has there ever been a time in history where there was not a war going on on this planet somewhere? Somewhere there is a war happening right now. There, there are nations uh, seeking to kill one another. Somewhere there is war going on. There's, there's nation against nation, people group against people group, religion against religion. This is as old as human history, right? We live in a world of hostility. But it's not just out there in the world. It's, it's right here in our country. It's right here in our communities. We have political hostility. We have racial hostility. We have hostility of class. We have hostility between genders. When we turn on the news about our own communities, we see hostility everywhere. And what we would love to do is we'd love to turn off the news and to stop thinking about what's out there and to enjoy peace in our own homes. But you know what? We can't because there's hostility there too. How many of you have ever had a friend that now is not a friend anymore? that something happened, hostility came, relationship was broken. There's hostility in our friendships, hostility in our marriages. Husbands and wives fight and there's conflict, there's hostility between siblings, there's hostility between parents and siblings. We can't escape it, hostility is everywhere. We live in a world of hostility. And so when we see uh, uh, like a Miss America pageant and they say, I want world peace, we just laugh at it, right? We just laugh. Like that's, that's nice. That's not going to happen. We hear the John Lennon song, imagine a world where we all live as one. And, that, and that's all it is. It's just our imaginations. But the Bible, the, the word of God, the scriptures, the Bible has the audacity to claim that one day we will live in a world of peace. The Bible has the audacity to say that one day we will know true peace and there won't be any hostility any longer. You can open your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew. The Gospel of Matthew. This morning we are in Matthew chapter 5. On this Resurrection Sunday we are just continuing in our series through Matthew. We are looking at the Beatitudes. We're looking at this section of Scripture called the Beatitudes where each one of these verses begins with this word blessed or blessed. Blessed are this type of person. Blessed are these type of people. And we've been going through these and, and seeing who is blessed. Now that word, I mean, who here really uses the word blessed? I mean, I say bless your heart, right? You might say blessed you when someone sneezes, but we don't use that word very often. What does it mean to be blessed? What does blessed really mean? When Jesus used the word blessed, here, here's what he meant. He meant truly happy. That's what the word means. Truly happy. We all long to be happy. We all long for true happiness. Not just a fleeting moment of happiness where, where our team won the game or something like that. No, a true, deep happiness that's not affected by what's going on around us. A happiness that's unshakable. A happiness that's certain. A happiness that satisfies us. And that's the kind of happiness that Jesus is describing here in Matthew chapter 5. When he says, blessed are, he's saying, truly happy are these people. And in chapter 5, verse 9, we read this. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. This is our text this morning. Who's truly happy? Who has this deep, unshakable happiness? Jesus says the peacemakers do. 
Now, if you're like me, you hear that word, and, and it's not immediately evident what Jesus is talking about. Who, who are peacemakers? Are he talking about foreign ambassadors that go to other countries and make peace treaties? Is he talking about someone who's really skilled in interpersonal communication? For some reason, I get this picture of like a dystopian novel where, where there's peacekeepers and they're really they're terrifying, right? No, that's not who Jesus is talking about. Who are peacekeepers? I want to give you the definition of a peace a peacemaker. A peacemaker. A peacemaker is someone who has found peace with God in Jesus Christ and helps others do the same. A peacemaker is someone who has found peace with God in Jesus Christ and helps others do the same. That's what Jesus is talking about here. Those who have who have found peace with their Creator through Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ, in His death and resurrection, and now because they have found that peace with God, their desire of their hearts is to help other people find peace with God as well. That is a peacemaker, and that is who Jesus says is truly, unshakably happy. Listen, one thing I know of every one of us here today is that we want happiness. We long for true, deep happiness. And Jesus is saying, here's how you get it. You, you live as a peacemaker. But we can't just turn peacemaking on. It's not like a light switch in us that we just turn it on, we start peacemaking. No, you need to become a peacemaker from the inside out. So this morning, what I want to do is, is ask the question, how can you become a peacemaker? How can you become a peacemaker? And there are three things that need to happen if you will become a peacemaker and know this unshakable happiness, this unspeakable blessing that Jesus talks about here. Three things that must happen if you are going to become a peacemaker. First, you must understand the root of hostility. You must understand the root of hostility. If you go to a doctor and you have certain symptoms, you don't just want medicine for those symptoms. You want to know what is going on on the inside. Where is this coming from? How can I be treated in a way that's going to make me better? And if you're going to be a peacemaker, then you know, where does this hostility come from? What's really going on? What's, what's causing the hostility? Why are there wars? Why is there conflict? Why do we have broken relationships? According to the Bible, all of the hostility that we see in this world, every single bit of the hostility that we see in this world, from the largest levels to the smallest levels, from the global hostility to the personal hostility in our own homes, all of it is rooted in a deeper hostility toward God. Every ounce of hostility that you see and have experienced in this world is rooted in a vertical hostility toward our Creator. Think about Genesis, the very opening chapters of the Bible. God created the heavens and the earth. The one true God created the heavens and the earth. He created a good world. And then he created man and woman, Adam and Eve, in that world as his image bearers to know him, to relate to him, to enjoy him forever. He put them in a garden. It was a perfect garden. It was a perfect world, a world of perfect peace. There was no hostility in the Garden of Eden between Adam and Eve, and between them and their God. God gave them a command. He had given them everything in this perfect world, and He gave them one command whereby they could show their love for Him, show their trust in Him, show their submission to Him, that they would not eat of the fruit of the tree in the center of the garden. But in Genesis 3, we read that Satan, disguised as a serpent, came to them, tempted them, said, Don't you want to be like God? 
Isn't God holding out on you? Do you really think you're going to die? Would God really do that? And he convinced them to disobey their creator and to eat of the fruit. And on that day, hostility entered the world. Immediately, Adam and Eve are hiding from their creator. When God comes to them, they are pointing the finger at each other. They're saying, no, no, she made me do it. Hostility enters the marriage. And then in chapter 4, their sons, Cain and Abel, Cain kills his brother. Just like that. Just like that. A perfect world filled with hostility. Murder in the very second generation. And why? Because of that simple act of disobedience to their creator. That act, when they ate that fruit, what were they doing? They were saying to God, we don't want you, God. We don't want to worship you. We want to be you. We want to replace you. We'd rather you weren't here. The New Testament tells us the same story. In James chapter 4, James is writing to some Christians, and he says this to them. He, he says, what causes quarrels and fights among you? So he's talking to a church. Christians experience conflict too. And he's saying, why are you fighting? Why are you quarreling? Now, if you ask that to your children, what's the answer that you're going to typically get? You're going to say, he did it, right? She did it. You're going to point the finger. That they're the problem, right? And we all do this in all of our countries. They're the problem. That's not what James says. What causes quarrels and fights among you? He says, is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? That your passions are at war within you. He's saying, because you are worshiping other gods. You are worshiping other idols. You have set something in your heart that you want more than you want the glory of God. And because this person is standing in your way, you have conflict with them. Do you see the horizontal conflict that's happening? Why is it? Because there's a worship war going on in the heart of each one of us. Because we are not giving glory to God. We are not fixed on the kingdom of God. We want, again, we want to be God. Scripture says we are enemies of God, every one of us. And you might not have woken up this morning and said, I'm an enemy of God. I want to hurt God today. I want to hate God today. I want to, I want to harm God today. But this is the attitude that, that we woke up with in our sinful nature. We'd rather God just didn't exist. We'd rather God just wasn't around. We, we, we only need him, because, we, we only want him because we need him, but if, if we could be God, that, that'd be better. We, we would rather discard with God and replace God, but ourselves at the center of our universe. And this is being an enemy of God. This is hostility toward God, and this is the root problem of all hostility that we see. And so if you're going to be a peacemaker, first, you need to understand this root. All hostility that we see is rooted in a vertical hostility toward God, rooted in a worship war that we do not want to worship our Creator. Second, if you're going to be a peacemaker, you need to learn that God is a peacemaker. You need to understand the root of hostility, that we are hostile toward God. Second, you need to learn that God Himself is a peacemaker. There's bad news in the gospel before we get to the good news. You know, the, the gospel means good news. But before we get there, there's, there's bad news. And here's the bad news. Not only that we have hostility toward God, but also that God has a holy hostility toward us. God has a holy hostility toward us. 
You know, our hostility toward God, it is sinful and it is wicked, but God's hostility is righteous and good. You know, we, we, we want, when we see injustice in our world, what do we want? We want justice to be served. And we, we would be outraged if a judge did not carry out justice, right? Well, God is the judge of his universe. He is righteous and good, and he has a holy hostility, a righteous wrath toward sinners. We all stand condemned under the wrath of God because of our hostility toward him. We all deserve the judgment of God because he has this holy hostility toward sin. And yet, the good news is that God is a peacemaker. The Bible does not end in Genesis 3, does it? That this could have been the word of God. God created the heavens and the earth. He created man and woman. They sinned against him. He judged them the end. And God would be all the more righteous for that. Nothing wrong with that. Yet God is a peacemaker. And in that moment in Genesis 3, he made a promise that one day a son of Eve would come and crush the head of that serpent. And he gave them clothes to live by. And he gave them his word. He gave them his promise. And the whole Bible is rooted in this story of how God responds to our hostility by making peace with sinners. And this story comes to a climax in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. God makes peace with sinners in and through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Son of God who became fully human, fully God and fully man. He's the only person to never sin. He's the only person who never became an enemy of God. He's the only person who never had hostility toward God. And yet he came to die on the cross in our place. He he bore our sins. He bore all the acts of hostility that we've ever committed on himself. And on the cross, what was happening on Good Friday is that Jesus was receiving the holy hostility of God in himself. The wrath that we deserve, he was taking it in himself. And how do we know that this really happened? I could say, I'm going I'm to die for you guys, and I'm going to go on Friendship Road and just get hit by a truck and die for you, and you'll be saved. But if I just stayed dead, then, then just, that, that was foolish. But you know what? Jesus didn't stay dead. He died for sins. He said he was dying for sins. And then on the third day, he rose from the dead. He rose from the dead as a vindication that he really did pay for our sins. It was God's stamp of approval on the finished work of Christ on the cross. When Jesus rose from the dead, God is saying, your sins really have been atoned for. He really is who he says he is. He really did what he said he would do. You can truly trust in him. Death has no hold on him because he is risen. God makes peace through Jesus Christ. He, he pours out his holy hostility on Christ instead of sinners. 2 Corinthians 5 sums it up this way, that in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their sins against them. But God wasn't just sweeping sin under the rug. He wasn't just saying, I'm going to choose just to ignore that. No, that would be unrighteous of him. God righteously punished his son in our place so that he could not count our sins against us. God is a peacemaker. 
So if we're going to be peacemakers, we need to know the root of hostility. We have this, this whole this unholy hostility toward God. We need to also know that God is a peacemaker, and He makes peace in His Son, Jesus Christ, through His death and resurrection. But that's not enough, church. Third, we need to personally make peace with God. If you're going to be a peacemaker, then you must personally make peace with God. You know, imagine that uh, you had a friend who got very mad at you, and they're a little crazy, okay? And so what they did is they said, I'm going to take my car, and I'm going to drive it as fast as I can into their car. And they do that, all right? They're also a deadbeat friend. They don't have any insurance, they have any money. They can't, they can't pay for your car or their car, okay? You pay both. You pay for both. You pay for the cars to be fixed, you, you have done what needs to be done, but what needs to happen with that friend? They're still angry at you. They still, they still hate your guts. No, what needs to happen for there to be peace is not just a payment, but actual reconciliation. That there needs to be a laying down of hostility. The payment's been made. The, the, the sinful action has been taken care of. Jesus has died for our sins, but now there needs to be, on, on our part, an actual laying down of hostility. And this is what the Bible calls repentance. This is what repentance is. Repentance is not trying to be better. Repentance is not trying to make up for what we've done. Repentance is not just trying to live a good life from now on. No, repentance is an attitude of the heart where we come to God, we confess the hostility we've had, and we, and we confess that it was wrong. We seek forgiveness. We trust in what He's done for us, and we, and we lay down our hostility toward Him. And we submit to Him in love as our ruler and creator. Scripture says that all who repent of their hostility toward God and trust in Jesus Christ will be saved, will be reconciled to God. But you must personally do this. It is not enough to know about the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You must come before the Lord, confess your hostility to Him, trust that Jesus paid for your sins, and then lay down your hostility in repentance. Now, how does God respond when someone repents and puts their faith in Christ? Well, he, he, he brings us into his peace. But we need, to, we need to be careful how we think about this, because sometimes peace looks like this. Uh, my children are fighting, and I say, you go to that room, you go to that room, and then I have peace. I have peace in that moment, right? Because there's no more fighting. But is that peace, is that real peace? No, that's just, that's just ceasing of hostility. That's not what God does in the gospel. God doesn't just say, okay, I forgive you, and now you stay over here, and I'll stay over there, and we'll be good. No. What, what does God do? According to this beatitude, God makes us his children. God brings us into his family. This is reconciliation. Not just a ceasing of hostility and a staying away from each other, but God saying, I'm bringing you all the way in, all the way back into my family, into my embrace. I am now your loving Father. You are my child forevermore. No one can take that away from you. You are mine. This is what God does in reconciliation. He adopts us into his family. This is what God does when we repent and trust in Jesus Christ. And listen, the person who's experienced all of this, the person who's found peace with God, that person, that person wants to be a peacemaker, just like their Heavenly Father. 
any son wants to be like their dad. And when you have experienced the peacemaking of God, that is what you want to do. You, you say, I want to make peace. I want to be a part of that. I want to do that. When I see hostility, even when I see two people fighting with each other, I know that they need reconciliation with God. And I'm going to enter into this in, in faith that, that the gospel will help them understand what's going on in their hearts and help them repent of their hostility toward God, trust in Jesus, and, and experience peace with God and each other again. This is what peacemakers do. A peacemaker has found peace with God, and now they help others discover peace with God. And this person is blessed. This person is truly, unshakably happy. They are sons of God. This is how you become a peacemaker. You can't just, you can't just go do it. You need to realize you have hostility toward God. God is a peacemaker who has made a way for forgiveness. And in repentance and faith, you can have peace with God yourself. Listen, we live in a world of hostility, but a world of peace is coming. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace in Isaiah. And, and Isaiah promises that there's a day when the increase of his government and of peace will know no end. That day is coming when Jesus returns. He is coming back. History is not going to go on forever. He is returning. And all people will appear before him to give an account. And on that day, only those who have repented of their hostility toward God and trusted in Jesus will be part of that perfect, peaceful world. Only those who today repent and believe will experience that world of peace. And so two applications as we close. First, if you have never made peace with God, I urge you, make peace with God this morning. See what he has done in Christ. See that Jesus has paid for your sins and risen again. See that your sins have been fully paid for and repent. Lay down your hostility. Say to the creator of your life, I have been an enemy of you. I don't want to live that way any longer. I trust in Jesus and I give my life to you. Be reconciled to God this morning. And then be a peacemaker. Be a peacemaker. Help others discover peace with God in Jesus Christ. Preach this gospel. Tell others that there is a God who has holy hostility toward us, but he is a peacemaker, and he has made a way for us to have peace with him and each other, and he gives us the guaranteed promise of a world of peace forevermore. Be a peacemaker as we hope in the return of Christ. Let's pray.